0: Muddy knees, Media.
1: Totally Football Show, the final summer special today. Call them the Lisbon Bayerns. Munchen boys beat PSG to land their sixth European title, serve up chances on a platter to team backed by Qatar, but a goal from Komen takes them past team backed by a country near Oman. We salute the Bavarian treble winners and ponder how close Paris are to a Euro title of their own. Plus, with the men's season now finally done, we take a look back at the best bits of this fortnight in Germany and Portugal. It's all in the final Totally Football Show summer special in association with Paddy Power. Woo. You love it, I love it Jules, not so much But Bayern are number one once again in Europe And here in our final summer special of this summer series and We're joined by Sasha Gurion, obviously having a Bayern Munich party Sash. who got, James? Absolutely Daniel Story also here and high on life after that final Yes indeed, hi James And also Michael Cox Hi James Ready to break it down for us. Bayern Munich are the European champions. They have won the treble under caretaker manager Hansi Flick, obviously he's not caretaker anymore. The one goal of the game coming after a tight first half from former Paris Saint-Germain academy player Kingsley Coman.
2: If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, take out a 30-day trial to see that unrivaled coverage of each and every Premier League club by heading to theathletic.com totally.
1: First off then, uh, did the scoreline do the game justice?
0: Well, I, I i mean, just from looking at a bit of initial reaction, I seem to have a differing view from most people. Most people seem to think that Bayern were clearly the better side and deserved the victory. I thought it was an incredibly close game, and I think at 0-0, PSG, maybe not the better side overall, but they certainly had the better chances. I mean, the Neymar one-on-one produced a really good save from Neuer. Don't quite know how he managed to keep that out, almost with his trailing thigh, I think. Um, And then that one from Mbappe where I think he played a 1-2 after a high press and and it was quite a poor finish. Um, To me it just seems like one of those games where it was incredibly tight, a goal comes okay in a a spell where where Bayern were having a, a decent period of pressure but then just because Bayern are winning people kind of get used to the fact Bayern are winning and then say yes they definitely deserve to but I thought it was really even and If PSG had scored one of those opportunities, then I think they could have gone on to win the game. Um, So, yeah, for me, it was just about taking your chances. But don't we say that every
1: time Bayern play? Good Lord, if that team had taken their early chances, it would have been a different game. And yet Bayern always win.
3: I think there were very few chances today. Um, and for example, when they had the Alaba, when Alaba gave the ball away just before halftime, you know PSG really had to convert that. I would also say um, that on the first uh, Neymar one-on-one with Neuer, he also did remarkably well to uh, get the follow-up out for a corner because otherwise Di Maria would have had a tap-in. Uh, so I think this was a game of I think, yeah, as Michael said, I think it was a very very close game. I actually thought it was a really high quality game because you could see two really really big teams concentrating massively. I mean, you could see that Bayern were. So certainly very cons- um, rather conservative defensively, uh, but at the same time, whenever PSG had the chance, I mean, you could see it with Mbappe break with about what, 15, 20 minutes to go, like there was one of the few times that PSG were able to spring the high line and they really really were in so so I, th- I thought Bayern really had to stay very disciplined I also thought towards the end the ability of Lewandowski to just draw foul after foul after foul just completely took this thing out of the game and I just thought it was really demanding and to be honest with about 15 minutes to go I was tensing up on my sofa and then Alphonso Davies just cushions headed back to Neuer and I'm like head like it was I was how can you do that like I feel really tense here and you doing that on the pitch under pressure I thought it was remarkably mature performance by both teams to be honest
4: yeah I think the, the, the one disappointment for me from PSU was not how they played before the goal because I think they were probably well as Michael said they had the better chances before the first goal but how they responded to it or maybe how Thomas Tuchel responded to it because it, ju- it just felt and, and this is with the benefit of glorious hindsight obviously but it just felt a little bit desperate in that, I think they were actually doing pretty well in midfield with, with Paredes there and they took him off for Verratti I maybe would have maybe would have gone with him and Verratti to try and bring more control to the game. It seemed an odd decision when they'd conceded the first goal. and therefore, I know they needed to push on, but with the individual brilliance they had up front, if they'd have carried on controlling the midfield, and I'd say I think they were doing OK at that, they would have surely created better chances than they did. It almost felt like they went, right, we're in panic mode. One of you two is going to have to produce a moment of individual brilliance here to get us back into the game, rather than hang on, we were playing okay. we've conceded, let's carry on doing what we are doing and take one of those chances we should have taken in the first half.
1: Mm, And telling that the more players they threw on, the the, the more uh, painful the absence of Mauro Icardi, who's probably the the, the most natural finisher probably in the team, although he maybe lacks other attributes. Well, a very, very tight first half then. The first time that Bayern Munich have failed to score in the opening 45 minutes since uh, football restarted for them back in May. So credit to PSG... For that and, and huge chances as you mentioned for Neymar and Mbappe in that first forty five minutes, particularly the Mbappe one just before half time. The second half, it seemed like Bayern came out from the interval with their minds a little bit better set for the second half. Is that fair?
4: Yeah, and I think they they also came out pretty be more physical. We didn't really see that rounds of fouling on Neymar in the first half as much, but there was pretty noticeable in ten minutes after half time. I think they conceded two or three fouls and they picked up yellow cards, but it, it looked as if Flick had said to them, We need to unnerve PSG here because we're not really, you know, we're playing okay, but we're not really unnerving them. We've not really got into them. And I think that maybe that just, just kind of got at PSG a little bit. We know that if Neymar, the reason he is fouled so much is partly because he's a very, very good player, and also because there's a suspicion that if you do that, he kind of feels that he needs to take on the mantle himself. And almost prove that you were wrong to wind him up, like a kind of incredible Hulk thing. And I think that happened, certainly in the last 20 minutes it happened. It looked like he was taking too many touches. He was getting frustrated at himself. And I wonder if that was a deliberate tactic to kind of maybe be a little bit more physical and leave a little bit more on PSG to try and almost, you know, very literally force their way on top.
1: So Bayern take the ascendancy and then we get a flash, a rare flash in this game of that wonderful... Fluent brilliance, which which they have. Thiago with that long ball upfield to I think because it Kimmich, and then they just kind of pass it in and out of the box with dizzying speed before Kimmich then puts that lovely crossover for Kingsley Coleman.
5: Kimmich, I it's
0: and I thought the funny thing about the goal was. You know, it was a big decision to put Kaman in ahead of Perisic. And Kaman offers a lot of things that, that Perisic maybe doesn't, particularly in one-on-one situations where I think he was very good and had a decent penalty shout just before half-time, I think. The one area where I would have said Perisic definitely has the edge is popping up at the far post to head the ball in the back of the net. And that's where the goal came from. So it was... Look, I, I think it was a good selection decision in the end um, because of what he'd offered in his all-round game. But football (laughs) you know it sometimes comes down to fine margins and things you don't expect and I don't think that Flick would have said yeah let's put Kaman in to to get on the end of a, a deep cross but that's what led to the winner what he did say prior to the game was
1: that we're we're playing Paris Kingsley's boyhood club, so we hope he's going to be a bit more motivated. Which which sounds fairly basic psychology, but you know maybe that's what, that's what it comes down to.
3: <laughs> at, the, at the same time, Komon was saying before the game, this is not Common against PSG, this is Bayern against PSG. But I thought, apart from the moment just before half time, I was curious that uh, when Komon scored for about five minutes, it's as if they switched Common off. And they switched them off and took him off. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting the way he started ghosting in and started finding him out there. But also, interestingly, the way they attacked um, that goal. Because suddenly Kera ended up with three players. Like the whole PSG line was completely shifted, I think, towards the ball. And Kera went for, I think, for Lewandowski. And then he realized there's Koman behind him. So I thought it almost looked like it was probably a training book constructed goal the way the ball went in. But they picked the moment for it and they really had to bury it. Because until that stage, you didn't really feel as though there was that threat from Koman was coming.
1: Mm. Who would be your man of the match, guys, for that? I'm not sure if we've had the official announcement yet. Daniel?
4: Uh, I'm biased because I really like him, but I think Thiago, again, controlled the pace of that game. His passing accuracy was was a little bit lower than it has been in the quarter and the semi-final, but the accuracy of those long balls when he picks them is you know, he did one for the goal and that seems to be the the kind of almost the cheat code in that they can play these passes like you described the pretty passes around the box to create space, but it feels like they need a direct ball to get there. And that's what he provides. I think that changes the game. Although I will say I've not seen a final for a long time where I think you could pick any one of four or five Bayern players, which is a bit of a cop out, but it kind of shows the whole team mentality, I guess.
3: You could bring in Neuer uh, with three big saves, even though one of them was offside. You could bring in Lewandowski. Don't forget, he hit the post in the first half and he had that really awkward header to get, one of the few shots on target. And I thought those last 20 minutes when he kept on drawing fouls, I thought it was just like exemplary forward play.
0: Yeah, I'd probably go for Neuer um, just because I thought that save from from Neymar was just so big. And I must say, I thought the ball had gone past him. You know, I, I really thought that shot had squeezed in. He made another couple of saves that were... A little bit more basic. And then that one from Mbappe, which in the end was offside. Not the noy knew it was offside. So, yeah, I'd agree with Daniel. Probably no standout candidate here. Um, but a few names who could get the nod. OK. Conversely, who would be the big disappointment of the night for you?
4: I know that the focus is always on Neymar because they're the rules. That's how maybe more social media, but that's how people tend to operate and how he is sold or expresses himself draws criticism. But I thought Mbappe was more disappointing than Neymar tonight. I thought Neymar at least tried to grab the game when PSG looked like they needed it and it looked like Tuchel was asking for it. Mbappe didn't, for me, didn't really do that. You know, there was the missed chance. There was a cross towards the end where PSG basically had a two-on-two and he just kind of floated the ball out of play for a throw-in. And... Yeah, I I think he was expertly dealt with by, predominantly by Davies when he was on that side, which was a phenomenal performance for a 19-year-old kid playing in his first Champions League final. But yeah, I I thought we'd get more from Mbappe.
0: I mean, I I would contend that if you're going to look for a disappointing attacking player, maybe it'd be Bayern. I mean, I didn't see much of Muller. Gnabry, who's had a brilliant Champions League campaign, didn't really see him involved much aside from, okay, he he was involved a bit in the goal, but... Really, that squabble was the main involvement for him. So, yeah, for me, it would go back to to saying I just thought it was a really, really even game that basically came down to one moment. Yeah, Mbappe, the missed chance is, is that was the clearest chance of the game. I would say it felt like he couldn't really sort his feet out, and he was slightly stepping backwards, so didn't really have a, a free swing at the ball almost. But yeah, to be honest, I just I agree with Sasha. I thought it was a good quality game, and it kind of disappoints me that. There will just be chat about you know one team bottling it or or big players not rising to the occasion because I thought it was a good quality game and and most players on the pitch played quite well.
1: So PSG in general then perform well but just didn't have their front two on a uh, on form. Are they on the basis of tonight not far off what it would take to actually win a Champions League then?
4: Well, no, they aren't far off. Um, I think Jules has alluded to it many times, but I think they have finally. Th- kind of thrown away this reputation they had of whether it's bottlers or whether it's a lack of you know psychological strength to get the things over the line I think they did that against Dortmund and they certainly did it against Atlanta so yeah they aren't far off I look at the team and there are players in that team that I am surprised start for PSG a team that has very big Champions League ideals I think Kera is one of them I think and a Herrera is probably another one. And the depth isn't quite there, I don't think. You know, Eric promoting is a trier, but I don't think he's really good enough for, for what they need. But yeah, certainly some of the in- ingredients are there for that perfect recipe.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with Daniel. I think they were the marginally the better side for the first hour of the final tonight. And Manuel Noyes' thigh away from going ahead. So, like I say, I think there'll be a lot of overreaction to the result.
3: I hope there isn't, because I think Tucho has done a fine job this season. Uh, I don't think they've disgraced themselves in the the final at all. They nearly took advantage of the possibilities that they had. And I think, you know, if they they keep on working this way, they should be able to challenge again next season.
1: Marco, you were saying that you know PSG had the better chances. But as I said, it's not a coincidence that this happens every time. I know it was different this time. It wasn't quite so much the the buy and bat line. I think that was an Alaba... Well, for the Mbappe chance, it was an Alaba misplaced pass, wasn't it? But... They do give away chances, but I don't know. Is it just that Noy is so scary? Or what do you think it is, that everyone always has an off night against them?
0: I, I, I Honestly, I don't know. I, I can't completely explain their defensive system and how they get away with it. I, do, I, I don't understand how, particularly in the game against Barcelona, it wasn't that they were playing a high defensive line. It was that they are playing a high defensive line and then a really deep midfield line and quite a deep forward line. So they were so compact that there was just so much space for the opposition to dink balls over the top. Yeah, it's slightly beyond my understanding, I'll be honest, but clearly it's working for them. It feels
4: like, particularly in the quarter and semi-final, that that Flick has this, maybe because he was a temporary manager and he he has a collection of very good players, particularly a centre-forward and goalkeeper, but it feels like he kind of plays a game of, of roll the dice or roll the loaded dice in that, he says, we're going to give you chances, we're going to have chances, but I'm going to back my goalkeeper to be better than your goalkeeper and I'm going to back my centre forward to be better than your centre forward. And I, I wondered in, in the final, particularly with the high line, whether that those dice would be so less loaded that they'd eventually kind of get caught out by it. But the reality is, again, that they didn't, is that Lewandowski played better than than? than PSG's forwards and and Manuel Neuer was as we've said arguably the game's best player and maybe he just feels that if you've got that at both ends of the pitch you can afford to make games open because 9 times out of 10 or 21 times out of 21 at the end of this season it goes in your favour.
3: But I also thought, curiously, um, I think PSG tried to play through that backline rather than over it, because in 87 minutes and 88 minutes, there was two chances where one ball through would have set PSG like three on two or like maybe Bap even one on one. There was one interception that took it out. Like I went to see Bayern play Liverpool 18 months ago and Bayern at, at that stage looked completely outmoded. They looked like a team that was on its last legs it was a team that had Hummels uh, Rafinha it had Ribery I mean Hamid Rodriguez was playing because Müller and Kimmich were suspended and like I felt that there was a team that had no vitality and were completely played off the park uh, by Liverpool in, in in Munich and at the same time that was team that was the team that was hammering its opposition in, in Dortmund but I thought the fact that they ha- now have someone like Davies they have Kimmich again to his better form playing at right back, suddenly the backline becomes much faster. The whole pressing system, I think, works. And it's interesting, I think, as well, that when Flick was the assistant manager in the Germany team in 2014, I mean, that's when they won the World Cup. He leaves, they fall apart. And now um, my friends in Munich are saying that actually the way Munich play now um, is actually sort of similar to the way the Germany played at the 2014 World Cup. So perhaps, you know, he, he's bringing old tricks to the set of players. You know, again, he's rehabilitated someone like Boateng and the team just feels a lot more switched on because 18 months ago, they were just all over the shop.
4: And those questions about end of an era weren't just happening 18 months ago. They were also happening when when Kovac was sacked and they were fourth in the Bundesliga. You know, you look at the spine of that team and, and Neuer's over 30 and Muller's getting there and Lewandowski's getting there and Boateng's, you know, there, there is an aging spine to that team. Um, it just feels like maybe came at the perfect time to say, look, some of you can have a final hurrah, and some of you can establish yourselves as the the gatekeepers for the next generation of Bayern. Maybe in you know again with with hindsight, it feels like that perfect storm in terms of squad setup. But in in Flick's defence, it, it it didn't look like that eight months ago. It really, really didn't.
1: No, it didn't. When when you think about how swiftly a team, a European giant that looked outmoded and end of era on its last legs, etc., was actually revitalised by the arrival of a of a manager who understood which simple moves to make and maybe one or two arrivals. Do you think that maybe we're a bit hasty writing off this Barcelona team and that maybe the, if you know Ronald Koeman turns out to be a bit Hansi Flick-esque with his club DNA and that, they might not be quite the basket case and a million miles away from actually being competitive again?
0: Yeah, I agree. I still think they've got the makings of a decent side there. I think, um, you know, Ruffa wrote a very good article this week for the Athletic about how basically Bayern and bought well. I think that has been a major issue for Barcelona, hasn't it? That they they have spent a lot of money on, on players who haven't worked out. Maybe that's not just been bad individuals they've got got in, but also just the culture of the club. A lot of players who are clearly very good players haven't settled. So, I don't think Barcelona are a million miles away. I think the eight-two was a bit of a freak result. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them back challenging in, uh, you know, next season or maybe the season after.
1: Well, one of the big questions about Sunday's final is, of course, how is Julien Laurent' feeling? And he actually joins us now on the line. Jules, uh, sorry about that. It was such a good start from Paris Saint-Germain in many ways.
6: Yes, I thought I thought that um, the first half was, was good in the shape of the team, the way... They tried to still play from the back. There were some mistakes, and I think they lost the ball at times in dangerous positions and areas, but they defended really well. There's the post from Lewandowski, uh, which he makes he, he makes a chance of half a chance, really. But apart from that, we certainly had the, the best opportunities. There was the Neymar one with that incredible save of Neuer between his legs, and then with that left hand that is there hanging, and then stopped the ball. And the big one, really, there's the Di Maria one, and then the biggest one is the one from Mbappe on the Herrera ball uh, just before halftime. That I don't understand how he hits it right at Neuer, and we so less space on the ball, it's, it's quite hard to understand. So I think the chances were there. I think Manuel Neuer was Bayern's best player tonight, which I think says a lot to the final, however... They were also in control in that second half. I mean, they're the best team in Europe by far. Maybe on another night, PSG could have won that final. But overall, you have to say that they are, they've been the best team. They are the best team. They deserve completely to win this Champions League. It's just I think I would have rather lost 5-0 and be completely beaten and dominated and, and picked apart by Bayern instead of being so close and yet so far. And, and it's just, it, it really hurts and it ha- it's hard to take in a way.
1: We've seen PSG responding to previous European disappointments by going out and buying Neymar and back with that kind of thing. What do you think the Qataris will do this time?
6: It's a good question. I think Leonardo being in charge is very different than after he left in, 20, you know, in 2017, something like that, 2016. He's very much the boss in that club now and I think he has a very good idea of what to do to improve the team. He knows the club so well, having been a player there before, already a first player sporting director, and and I don't think they will go and, and just buy a name, for example, or, you know, a big superstar. I think they would buy what they need to improve that team, again, defensively, maybe in midfield, maybe have a bit more rotation on the wings, on each side, for example, or something like that. Uh, will Thomas Tuchel be there? I know there are rumours right now in Lisbon, and I was told again, just before I called you, that people saying that he will not be there and that they may be looking at Max Allegri or maybe Marshall Pochettino, so which, which I find interesting because I think what Tuchel did this year probably deserves another year. I was disappointed I have to say tonight but Tuchel in the second half with some of the changes and I, and I could see why maybe Leonardo feels that a change needed there and let's not forget Tuchel is not his man. Leonardo didn't bring Tuchel to the club so that's another one interesting to follow. But I think they would be clever enough to buy the right player instead of to buy a player that has a big name and would, would sell more shirts really than, than benefiting the team.
1: All right. And Jules, as the high priest of the Parisian born and bred, uh, how much did it hurt you to see former PSG Academy man uh, Kingsley Coleman ending the dream of the Paris team?
6: You know what, actually, I would rather him, one of ours, scoring than anybody else on that pitch. I promise you it's true. I, Of course, the irony is that, you know, one of the brightest talent that we've ever seen in our academy then comes back and, and scores a final to, to beat PSG in the final, of course. But but he's, he's a Parisian forever. You know, this is his club. I don't care. If he plays for Bayern Munich, of course he does. But his club is PSG and will always be, has always been. It's a shame it didn't work out for him. He felt he had to leave because Laurent Blanc was not giving him enough time. And he, he was probably right. And if you see everything that he's won since leaving, you know, with Bayern and with Juventus, it's pretty incredible. So good on him. Uh, and again, I would rather one of our sons to score against us than some, somebody else. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bitter at all. For Kingsley to score the goal, uh, I know his dad. It's a lovely family. Again, they're PSG fans, all of them. They're all pure Parisians, and it's a shame that it's a shame that he didn't have the career that he should have had at PSG, and maybe he would have been the one scoring a winner like this for PSG in another life, in in our dreams. But you know what? I would much rather him scoring that goal than anybody else in that Bayern team.
1: Noble stuff, Jules. Thank you so much for calling us up this evening and uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon about happier days for Paris Saint-Germain. Thank you, guys. Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for... Oh, and the keeper's
7: let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute. Or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty. Or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser.
1: But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1-5 to five on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18+. BegumbleAware.org.
2: This is the Totally Summer Special by the Totally Football Show. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: Well, there you go. A night of triumph for Bayern, of disappointment for Paris Saint-Germain. Although they do still have some European hopes alive because they're still in the Women's Champions League, which has now reached the quarterfinal stage. Michael, you saw them in action on Saturday. There was a lovely opening goal in it from uh, Marie-Antoinette Katoto, too. A
0: brilliant goal. Yeah, straight from, not straight from a corner, but a corner played low towards the near post and she made what? used to be referred to as a Teddy sharing and run to the near post. I haven't heard that said for a while. But yeah, just volleyed it on the fall, straight into the into the net the near post. PSG with a better side. I think Arsenal rallied well after that, actually, um, and had a good spell of pressure up to Beth Mead's equaliser. But second half, I think PSG looked fitter. I think they looked more physical. I think Arsenal struggled to deal with that. And yeah, in the end... Uh, Got the winner from the substitute, Senior Brune, who uh, has had a terrible couple of years of injuries um, and came in to to tap home. I think Arsenal will be quite disappointed by their overall level of performance, maybe a lack of match sharpness. Obviously, their season was curtailed, but yeah, they've they've beefed up their squad in the summer. And uh, you think, well, they won't be challenging for the Champions League next year because they're not in it, but probably have a better challenge for the league uh, title than they did last season when it was a bit flat and they looked quite uh, quite weak, really, when they got a few injuries.
3: I also thought Katoto did quite well to keep her head to slide in uh, the ball 4. Uh, for the second goal um, and I think it's worth mentioning that you know when you look at these games I mean PSG have had money put into them for the last for the last few years to actually to enable them to compete with Lyon in the French League so I think there's actually quite quite a big golfing class between those sides anyway also PSG have also played the game since the restart they played Lyon in the um, Coupe de France final where their goalkeeper Christian Endler first saved the penalty then missed it um, to hit the bar and skied it and they lost on penalties and I think the game that's coming up after this I think it's you know Lyon PSG is you know it's the big battle of, uh, from France being brought over into, into Europe once again. PSG narrowly prevails from time to time but generally Lyon have been predominant and you know if, it, if, it, if the finals would go on penalties like in 2017 both the Cup uh, and the Champions League they'd win that and I think with Lyon I mean I think Rory Smith was on the um, uh, the other day maybe it was on BT Sport where he said you know there has not been a dynasty like it uh, because I mean Lyon have been French champions now for 14 years they are the team to beat for anybody uh, in Europe um, year after year and I I think if Lyon get past PSG, they will meet Wolfsburg in the final, whom they regularly play. And actually, Wolfsburg caused one of the greatest upsets in the history of football in 2013, when the Champions League final uh, was played at Stamford Bridge. Lyon came into that game having won 36 games out of 36. Bayern, eat your heart out. Uh, scored 225 goals, conceded seven. They had Megan Rapino uh, bolstered them in midfield as well. And it was quite an even game. Silly penalty for a handball when Wolfsburg won that game, which I think was a massive, massive shock.
1: Right. Interestingly, in the subsequent four Women's Champions League, Lyon have beaten Wolfsburg at some point in the competition on their way to the title. Every time, as you say, Wolfsburg on the other side of the draw. They'll be taking on Barcelona on Tuesday, having seen off Glasgow City nine-one in the quarter final. And on on Wednesday, it's that Lyon PSG game uh, shaping up to be all very interesting. In the meantime, with the men's season now officially over as of Sunday night, in a moment or two, we'll be looking back on one or two of the choicest memories of this fantastic fortnight which has brought it to a close in the Europa and Champions League. First of all, though, here is Lee Price with some
8: odds for the new Premier League season. Guess who's back? Back again. Yeah, we really have created a monster. Football is ready to return from its post-season break, no doubt feeling refreshed and full of vim. Or something like that, anyway. Although we've still got at least another two Chelsea transfers to go before the season starts, I'm going to whiz through some of the outright odds for title, top four and relegation. So let's start at the top of the table where we have odds on favourites to win the league. Although there appears to be a typo as it says Man City rather than Liverpool on my screen. City 10-11 to regain their crown, Liverpool just behind at 9-5 to retain it everyone beyond those two priced quite long including united at 8 to 1 chelsea at 12s and both north london teams are priced at 50 to 1 to win the league we make the top four more of a procession city 1 to 33 to secure champions league qualification liverpool 1 to 14 to do the same united at 2 to 5 and chelsea at 1 to 2 with tottenham considered the biggest threat to those four at 3 to 1 At the other end of the table, unsurprisingly perhaps, our relegation betting is topped by a promoted club, with Fulham favourites to go down. But they're not odds-on, they're priced at evens, with the race to the bottom a congested one. Our picks to join Fulham are West Brom at 11-10 and Villa at 15-8, but Palace, Newcastle, West Ham and Brighton aren't safe by much in our market. And just finally mentioning West Ham there, they do top one table. That's the sack race betting, with David Moyes the favourite to be the first Premier League boss to leave their position.
1: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. So then, the Totally Football Show Summer Special reaches its concluding part, listener. Uh, We've had some memories along the way. You remember?
0: Jonsson is a hero for Copenhagen.
1: And how about... FESH
7: Hoo-hoo!
1: <laughs> Good times. We put together a little compilation of some of your favourite contributors uh, talking about some of their favourite bits.
6: My favourite goal, I have to go for Angel Di Maria and the, the second PSG goal against Leipzig simply for the pure magic of the, the backheel assist from Neymar. The purest, most brilliant piece of technique that we've seen in this Champions League second part, if you want. I just think the inspiration, the execution as well, the way he just has to caress the ball almost with a back heel to to put it into Demarius feet was just fantastic. And I think that's why I have to give the the best goal to to this one.
5: So my favourite goal is for actually two goals, uh, both from Luke de Jong in the uh, in the Europa League final. Yeah, I'm a big fan of headers, all sorts of headers, bullet headers, which the first one was. uh, Incredible power he generated on that one. Um, And then the second one was a a looped header at the back post. So, yeah, a couple of absolutely great headers from a a man who didn't score at all when he was at Newcastle. And I think a lot of people in the UK will will remember that. And uh, this should have finally changed their minds.
7: It's got to be Serge Gnabrys against Lyon. Uh, on his on his weaker foot as well stunning strike against the runner play sent by into the final
9: my favorite goal is uh, the one uh, Lukaku scored against Saktar Donetsk because he saw a lot of strength on the right just um, dribbling past uh, a defender and uh, then he was cool in front of the goalkeeper and he did a 40-meter run and Romelu Lukaku has done this a lot during the Europa League. Thiago. Oh,
5: God, Coutinho. Eight. A maximum Demütigung
4: for the FC Barcelona.
5: My favourite game, you can't look past buying Barcelona. I mean, that's that's a game that will be talked about forever. I mean, I think it's one of those games that's, that's so enormous that just mentioning the, the teams, just saying Bayern, Barca, people will, will know exactly what we're talking about.
7: It's got to be Barcelona 2, Bayern Munich 8, because that will give a great trivia question as to who scored Barcelona's two goals.
6: Ah, has to be Atalanta-PSG. All those years, all those remontadas, the United one The Barcelona one, of course, and this time to be on the good end of it and being able to turn the game around the way they did with Chupa moting as the unlikeliest hero. That has to be the the best game of of this restart.
9: The Italians uh, defended relentlessly their goal and uh, finally... Uh, the quality of PSG made the difference, but it was in the last minute, and that uh, for me was something very special by PSG.
5: In terms of players who I think are more valuable, I mean, I think obviously Alfonso Davis just looks like a superstar, you know, and he must be worth many, many more millions of euros than uh, than Bayern Page.
9: The player whose market value has gone up has to be Alfonso Davis. I think that like he was phenomenal during this Champions League. And against Barcelona, he gave a lesson to Semedo and whoever was marking him on the right. He's got all the future ahead of him, but he is already a reality.
7: Kakere, the Lyon midfield player. I'm going to go with him because I think Upamecano's value comes down, does it, with his transfer? I don't know, his buyout clause? I don't know. Kakere.
6: I went for Usamawa simply because, I mean, he was breathtaking against Juventus in that second leg away despite the defeat, and he was even better against Manchester City in that quarter-final. Incredible performance, I thought, against the Guardiola team. So, Awa, who's only 22, who will leave this, this summer, and I think whose price tag went up 20 or 25 million euros easy after those two games, just fantastic. So, I would I would give it to him.
9: And the player whose market value has gone down, I think it has to be Christian Eriksen, uh, a couple of years ago. He seemed to be a player who wasn't raising the interest of the biggest clubs, like Real Madrid, for instance, that they they were actually genuinely interested on him. And uh, it looked like uh, Ericsson could be that tool that changed the game in the second half versus Sevilla. But he didn't do it. He doesn't, uh, he's a shadow of the player he played for Tottenham.
5: Manchester United players disappointed in their Europa League campaign. Um, Chief among them, probably Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who... You know, doesn't offer that kind of attacking threat that the likes of Alphonso Davies and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold can do. Um, so he's then reliant on his defending, which often can be very good, particularly on one-on-ones, but obviously he was pretty at fault for Sevilla's winner in the semi. So if he's not doing much good defending and not offering much going forward, that big fee United paid for him last summer is, uh, is not really looking like great value. <laughs>
3: Edison down! Oh, he spilled it! Oh, it's in it again! And Manchester City cannot believe it. Edison so uncharacteristic that it's still out of his hands.
7: Deep-lying DJ playmaker um, wearing gloves. Edison uh, finally found out uh, for the the poor goalkeeper. Is I'm joking, of course. But yes, he's probably knocked five million euro off his transfer value after that performance against Lyon.
6: Oh, Nelson Semedo. Is he still a football player? What's happening, man? Come on. That game against Bayern Munich must have been the worst individual performance we've ever seen in a Champions League game. I don't... Like, every level, qualifiers included, third round, second round, first round, teams from countries we've never heard of. But Nelson Semedo, man, come on. And apparently, they're ready to offer him a new deal at Barcelona, so they must know what they're doing with them.
1: Julian Rons there. In happier times. Anyway, that was lovely. Uh, what, what about some more of your favourite contributors? What, what what will they look back on in years to come, with with particularly uh, with particular fondness? Daniel, what what stands out for you?
4: Yeah, a couple of people mentioned it there, but but Barcelona buying for me, it felt like a result as 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 stark as the result was, but it felt far more significant than the night. It felt symbolic in the dismantling of Barcelona through their own incompetence and negligence and. The building of Bayern very quickly under Hansi Flick as this team that very much means Champions League business.
3: Very nice. Sash? Uh, I quite enjoyed uh, Ever Banega's Indian summer, his farewell. Um, I thought he's been a very fine player, perhaps hasn't hit the height of some of the others. He's seen him play live a couple of times before. Uh, just the way he kind of switched it on, his right peg, the de- deliveries, the Conte affair. Mm. Uh, I thought that was a great way to go out into, you know, sell off into the sunset.
1: Certain echoes that thought. Sash. Uh, certain writes. Benega's commentary on Conte's hair was the best bit.
3: Worst bit was Julian Nagelsmann's suit for that semi-final. I can tell you my worst moments. Uh, Go on. Then. Marquinhos, Marquinhos equaliser against Atalanta. I just felt so gutted for Atalanta. Um, I mean, they had the man off injured. Obviously, had Neymar finding all that space on the left, and it was just. Like I really wanted Atalanta to get through. And once PSG got the first goal, you knew the second was coming because I think th- you could see Atalanta were just in despair. And I felt very, very sad for them. Mm.
1: Abdullah Bashiti says uh, his favourite was the PSG comeback against Atalanta because it just sparked unity within the team. At least favourite for Abdullah was uh, watching Diego Simeone, stunned and motionless as his team bowed out to RB Leipzig at the final whistle. Other good and bad moments. Cam says, "Andres Herrera diving." Andrew Lang says, "Good thing was Muller proving once again why he's one of the most underrated elite level footballers of the last decade." Ram Deutscher extraordinaire. Kaz loved guilty looking Coutinho against Barcelona with his brace, and also uh, Kaz cites Slasher's incredible justification for why he was backing (laughs) Leipzig against PSG was up there with his tearful recounting of the two thousand and five Champions League final. (laughs) Uh, Gavin says, I love the bit where they cancelled the opening ceremony for the Champions League final. Fair fair enough. (laughs) Michael, what was your best stroke worst bit?
0: Um, Yeah, I guess best stroke worst is a good description. Probably just the biggest moment for me was Raheem Sterling's miss against Lyon. I, I just assumed it was a goal, you know, and then you're still kind of reeling from that and 90 seconds later, Leon go down the other end and, and Dembele scores the third. So it goes from what you thought was going to be two all to 3-1 and City out of it. It's just one of those kind of intangibles in football that uh, doesn't seem to make any sense. But uh, yeah, that, that for me just kind of summed up, uh, kind of summed up the nature of the format as well in the sense that if City had a second leg, I, I think I would have fancied them to turn that around. But... Over ninety minutes, you can get these surprise results. And looking back, I suppose Leipzig' their victory over Atletico as well. But that was, I'd say, the the biggest surprise result of uh, of the tournament. Leon, I mean, seventh in league and putting out City, who you know a lot of people were speaking about as uh, favourites or second favourites for the tournament. So yeah, that game stands out as as something that symbolised this uh, this uh, mini Champions League
3: tournament. Uh, talking of gutted. Um... Alexandra Zinchenko's wife um, runs a YouTube channel, and she was having a, a little like interview with him after in, in the aftermath. And uh, they managed to book a hotel, um, you know, for four a couple of days afterwards before they flew back home with the Leon team. So Zinchenko was like, every time I leave the lift, there's Leon players everywhere. It's like, oh, get me out of here! Way to go <laughs> with
1: that bubble, Leon.
3: Uh,
1: so, well, there you go. Golden memories there for us to treasure in the uh, long weeks before top-flight football returns when. How long is it going to be, Daniel, before we've got some proper football to watch again?
4: Uh, Well, we've got the Community Shield in in five days' time as you'll listen to this or potentially listen to this. So that apparently is the longest break without top-level football between now and June 2022.
1: Ligue 1 is already underway. You're saying the Community Shield, the Curtain Razor, etc., is Mm. only five or six days away?
4: It'll be good to watch all those teams we've forgotten playing, like Liverpool and Arsenal.
1: Wow, that's extraordinary. And Totally Football Show will be returning, uh, I believe, straight after that Community Shield. Uh, That's amazing, truly amazing. Well, anyway, enjoy a well-earned break, uh, Daniel and Sasha and Michael, if the schedule permits, and producer Charlie too. Listener too, hope you enjoy your week without us, and we will be back soon enough. It's been great being with you throughout this uh, very special uh, season ending fortnight in Germany and Portugal for now from all of us here at the Totally Football Show it's goodbye
2: you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network